Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslender. This message is from the series, The Book of Acts, The Church Then and Now, and was preached on August 27, 2023. Amen. Thank you, Stu, and thank you, worship team. And let me say a quick word. It was good to have Holly back up here on our worship team this morning. She's not been with us for quite a while. We understand family comes first, but it's very good to have her back up here and helping us lead. Secondly, I, I want to say that, uh, you know that song we sang earlier, Friend of God? It, it has now become my favorite because you know if you were to take Friend of God and translate that into the Greek, you know what it would be? Theophilus. So that's now my favorite. Um, I will say this. I, I've already embarrassed myself this morning. The sound guys told me about halfway through worship that your mic wasn't muted. And though it wasn't going live out here, those of you on live stream, you heard me singing, and I apologize for that. I didn't mean to be part of the praise team. Um, I hope you're still with us because I think I'm a better preacher than singer, but um, it is what it is. Okay, thank you, Jeremy. We're in the book of Acts. This, this church up here, um, years ago when my family was camping, we saw this church in a California ghost town. It's in the town of Bodie, California. Um, Bodie was a typical mining town. It grew rapidly to nearly... 10,000 people when gold was discovered. In its boom years in the 1870s, Bodie had 65 saloons, a red light district, many opium dens, a Chinatown, and two churches. According to the newspaper, murders, shootouts, brawls, and holdups were regular occurrences. This, this is one of only two churches. The other one actually burned down. Now, there are many different ways to judge a church. I hope this was a healthy and good church because being outnumbered by saloons 65 to 2, they needed the gospel presence in Bodie, California. And I have great admiration for the pastors who went and started churches in environments like that. How do you determine, though, if a church is healthy? An old book from the 50s that I have in my library says that a pastor, first thing on Monday morning, wants to know two things about the previous Sunday, the offering and the attendance. He called it the, the nickels and noses report. Listen, attendance is important. Money offerings are important. Buildings are important. But they're not the key vital signs of a healthy church. I mentioned to you, I think, that I had my Medicare wellness check this last month. It's apparently what they call an annual physical for old people like me. Um, but here's the good news. They checked all my vital signs, blood pressure, pulse, oxygen levels, EKG, labs, all including cholesterol, were all in the normal range. I hope I get the same kind of report when I see my prostate cancer doctor in October because it's, it's good to be healthy. And we want our vital signs to look good. But what are the church's vital signs? 
I mean, how do we determine if Avondale Baptist Church is healthy? What do we look at? We're going to look at a passage that describes, it's kind of a, a, this is what church life was like in the book of Acts passage today, kind of a, a summary statement. I'll tell you, they had their challenges. The church grew from 120 people to over 3,000 almost overnight. Many of the people were from out of the country, and instead of going back to where they came from, they, they wanted to stay in Jerusalem and learn who Jesus was and find out more about this Jesus that they had committed their lives to. And so this early church had a huge challenge, but they met that challenge, and they were healthy. And I want us to know what made them healthy. What do we need to build into our church to make sure that ABC is a healthy church? So we're going to read, it's a relatively short, just a paragraph statement, but um, got some great teachings in there for us to learn. How do you do church? What makes a healthy church? And I want us to learn these things and then build them, make sure we're building them into Avondale Baptist Church. Let's stand together and read Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And here's how it reads. They, that is the church including the 3,000 new believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You may be seated. It is a great passage. And, and I want us to, to work on this. What made this church such a great church? Well, clearly they had quality leaders who had been trained by Jesus himself. And they had just had a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But this passage takes it further. What were the vital signs that they built into their church? What are the vital signs that we need to build into our church? I want to point out seven of them today. Because I want you to know and understand what makes a healthy church. Because sometimes people in the church and people outside the church look at the wrong things. Attendance, buildings, money all important, but that's not the key vital signs we need to look at. So what is it, what, what do you need to have a healthy church? Number one, you need biblical teaching. Verse 42 says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And this had to have been neat and incredible, and understand how it worked. They didn't read the gospel of John. John stood before them and taught they didn't read Peter's letters. Peter stood before them and taught. Matthew, either a man who took great notes or had an incredible memory, um, stood before them, maybe even recited the Sermon on the Mount as Jesus gave it. They focused on what Jesus did, what Jesus taught, how Jesus interpreted the Scriptures, and what Jesus wanted. They had the Bible in the flesh with the apostles there. And they had an intense focus. Now that you're believers in Jesus, 
this is how to live. This is what to do. This is why we're here. This is what a church is all about. This is what Jesus taught us. This is how Jesus used the Old Testament. They had the Bible in the flesh, very Jesus-focused. Now, now today, a church has to work a little harder because if you don't have Peter and John, you've got Jack. <laughs> so we have to work hard to make sure that everything we do our writings are biblical. Our preaching is biblical. Our singing, our worship, our teaching in our classes is biblical. We can't do what some people do and take Bible verses here and there out of context to make it say what we want to say. We can't do what some people do and focus only on these verses and ignore these verses. We have to study until we know the truth. And then we have to preach it and teach it. Above almost everything else we do, we want to be a biblical church. Now, I'm going to say something, and when I say this, it sometimes offends people. I don't mean to offend. I just want you to understand how important it is that we're a biblical church. Because I want you to know this. I don't try to be conservative. I don't try to be liberal. I don't try to be old-fashioned. I don't try to be modern. I don't even try specifically to be a Baptist. I'm trying to be biblical. That's the goal, and that's what a healthy church is. Let's study until we know what the Bible says. And then let's teach it and preach it and live it. Regardless of what anybody else says, in the church or out, we, we have to be biblical, focused on who Jesus is and what Jesus wants. So a healthy church has biblical teaching. And the second vital sign, we've already seen, and we'll see it again in the book of Acts, but a healthy church has unified members. Now, I, I want you to understand, in the early church, this was not an easy thing. Think of the challenges. This church spoke at least 15 different languages. They were citizens of multiple different nations. There were ethnic Jews and there were Gentiles who had converted to Judaism and then to Christianity. They had many different skin tones, most of them darker than my English, Welsh, and Dutch background. They were a combination of many different cultures, many different political opinions, many different expectations. Their unity came in Jesus. They were able to set aside the other things to be unified in Jesus, to make it work, because this did not come automatically. They did things that unified people. They hung out together, and the scripture was clear every day. They prayed together. By the way, that's one of the most intimate things you can do in church life. That's where you hear the hearts of other people. That's where you learn how people are. They, they ate together. They met in each other's homes. They were so generous that they would sell property and possessions to make sure there was enough to go around. They weren't 
automatically unified. They worked hard at it because they focused on Jesus. And I hope we can understand that because too many people today, they're, they're looking for a church that's just like them. You know, we want to go to church with people who look like us, have our skin color, speak our language, vote like we do, and who are roughly our age. A healthy church should rejoice when we see different skin colors, hear different languages, know members of a different political party, and who grew up in a different state or country. We should even rejoice for those who cheer for a different team. Because then we know, listen, then we know that it's Jesus and nothing else that brings us together. If you're a Republican and you only hang out with Republicans, then that apparently is more important to you than Jesus. If you're a Democrat and you only hang out with Democrats, then that apparently is more important than Jesus. We should be all different kinds of people from all different kinds of walk coming together unified in Jesus. That's what happened in the early church, and that's a big part of what made them healthy. They set aside all of the differences. Now, 15 different fifteen different. Uh, um, cultures and countries. Can you imagine what a potluck was like? What is that? But it worked because they were unified in Jesus. So a healthy church is biblical. A healthy church has unified members. And the third vital sign is that a healthy church, in a healthy church, there's answered prayer. Now, you know, I push prayer in prayer meetings because I believe that a church will not be effective without the power of the Holy Spirit, and that comes primarily when we pray. But this point goes beyond just having a prayer meeting. They saw answered prayer. Verse 43 says, Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. They had prayed, and they saw God at work. Now now think about that. Everyone was filled with awe. It doesn't say in this passage what wonders were seen. But if you look in the, in the rest of the book of Acts, there were things like healings, boldness in preaching, gospel success. Clearly, God was at work. And it was obvious to all. Now, we have seen in our church many answered prayers. If you come to prayer meeting, we we regularly announce those. But let's be honest. Rarely has the whole church been in awe. Look at what God did. That's amazing. We must learn to pray more specifically and boldly. And we can see God at work. We get frustrated because we look at our country and we don't see God at work. I mean, yeah, here and there, God's doing some great things. We're seeing our country kind of wander away from God and from Jesus and from faith and from the church. Now, I want to see a revival. I still believe it could happen, in which millions of people come to faith in Jesus, but it'll only happen if we do what we need to do. So so this church, they didn't just pray. They saw answered prayers and that God was at work. I want to see those days again. And I hope you're with me because we're going to have to pray. We're going to have to share Jesus. We're going to have to be biblical. We're going to have to do the thing that a healthy church does if we want to see our God at work. 
So a healthy church has biblical teaching. A healthy church has unified members. A healthy church has answered prayer. And number four, the fourth sign of a healthy church is generous members. I'm not even sure that generous is the best word because I'm not sure that it's strong enough to describe what happened. This goes way beyond tithing and even giving to special offerings. It didn't appear to be an organized fundraiser. This was spontaneous generosity by the members. Now, remember the background that many members of this now church had come from around the world and they came to Jerusalem expecting to go to a Jewish festival and there they heard about Jesus and so they stayed in Jerusalem to be part of the church and to learn about Jesus. So, so they had many members without jobs, without income because they were expecting to go home in a couple of weeks and they didn't. And so the church did things automatically, spontaneously, because they had loving and compassionate and generous hearts. It says they sold possessions and even property to make sure that all the needs were well taken care of. Let me tell you a story of generosity. I don't know if you saw this story or not this week. This boy up here, five-year-old, his name is Edison, although he often goes by Eddie. He lives in Seattle. His mom was watching TV, not even knowing that Eddie was paying attention. She was watching the news. Eddie came to her with tears in his eyes. He said, Mom, can you turn off the TV? Hearing about those people in Maui just makes me sad. Five years old. So she turned off the TV, and he came back to her later. They had just been in Hawaii. And one of the things he saw in Hawaii was somebody having a lemonade stand. So he came, and he asked permission, could I have a lemonade stand, and we'll send the, the money to the people of Maui? They said yes. They helped him. He sold pink and yellow lemonade. He sold ice cream sandwiches. He sold candy. He sold popsicles. And he sold his own toys. The dad's company heard about this and said, hey, I'll match anything your son makes. The mom's company said, I'll match anything your son makes. They scheduled it, put it on social media. It went viral. People showed up and were paying 20 bucks for a little cup of lemonade or just dropping off money. By the end of his one-day sale, Edison earned $17,000. Now, now listen, it started with compassion and then it went to work and even sacrifice. I will give away or sell my own toys from a five-year-old boy. That's how human beings should be. But as we get older, we get kind of jaded. We've seen it all. We've heard all the stories. It's probably their own fault that they're in trouble anyway. And we grow hardened. Listen, the natural state 
of a believer in Jesus is to have incredible generosity. It's not about me. It's about helping others. And that's a bottom line characteristic of a healthy church. By the way, I hope someday Eddie moves to Arizona and we're going to put him in charge of all our benevolence ministry. Someone with that compassion and that willingness to work is going to be a natural leader when it comes to helping people. And the church should be on the front lines of that. Especially our own, but all people. This church was incredibly generous. Selling their own property. That's pretty generous. Most of us think, I'm going to build mine, I'm going to take care of me, I'm going to take care of my family, and if there's anything left over, and for the average American, it's about 2%, if there's anything left over, I'll give it to my church, my charity, or something that will help people. A characteristic of a healthy church is incredible generosity. Number five, characteristic of a healthy church is genuine worship. From the heart. We don't know what their worship services look like. I think Luke didn't give us the details on purpose because it's not the details that are important. So we don't know what songs they sang. We don't know what instruments of any that they used. We don't know how long their services were. We don't know how many people prayed or how many people preached or how they, they taught. We don't know how long a typical sermon um, or preaching was. We don't know if they raised their hands or sat quietly. Luke doesn't tell us anything because the details aren't important. The important thing is that it says they met together with glad and sincere hearts and praised God. It was genuine worship from the heart. Too often today, and the church has been arguing about this my whole life, we focus on the details and the particulars. Hymns or choruses, Chairs or pews, loud, dynamic, screaming, preaching, or a quiet, dignified teacher. Should we raise our hands or sit on them? You know, we, we, we focus on all the particulars. What the Bible teaches is we need to have worship from the heart. Genuine. So, so listen, you do whatever is genuine you. If you raise your hands and that helps you express your love for God and it's from the heart, raise your hands. If you're more of a quiet thinker and yet you're focusing on God, then sit there quietly and do it from the heart. If shouting amen is a sincere and heartfelt act of worship, shout away. Worship is only worship when it's from the heart. And you are more than free to express that however you express it without worrying how other people do it. I'm not a natural hand waver. You'll almost never see me like this because I'm afraid I sweat too much and I don't want to show off my, my underarms. <laughs> I'm sometimes way too self-conscious, you know, and worry way too much about what other people think. Now, worship is... Genuine, real, and from the heart. You know, from up here, we can get a sense of how you all are worshiping. And sometimes, just on occasion, I see some things that... Ugh. 
you know, we got people who love the hymns and they'll sing full voice. And then when we go to chorus, and then we got the vice versa. I love that song. Oh, that's an old hymn. You know, you're, you're voting for your favorite. You're not honoring and worshiping God. You put your heart into it. I know because I've been there, so have you. Sometimes when Jeremy is, is, is uh, praying or Pastor Jack is praying, you know, you just bow your heads. Don't just do that. Pray. Some of you worship like I do when I'm sitting in front of a football game and the Kansas City Chiefs are playing. Yeah, yeah, Patrick Mahomes is a good player. Yeah, yeah, they're a good team. They'll probably win the Super Bowl again. Who cares? <laughs> I mean, honestly, okay, it's okay if you do that in front of a football team, but if you do that to God, it's not genuine worship. However you do it, you got to put your heart into it. <laughs> That's what makes it generous. A uh, guest visited our church years ago. He was a friend of one of our staff members. And, you know, sometimes, honestly, um, seminary students can be more critical than anybody else. And so he told us afterwards, or he told his friend who passed it on um, to us, he, he said, you know, I went to your church and I really wasn't impressed. Um, the building was okay. Music was okay. The preaching was okay. The greeters were okay. It was just okay. But then he went to say this, but I did sense that people really did love God and love people. Hey, listen, I'll take that. He meant it as a put down. I'll take it as a compliment because at the very least, if the particulars were only okay, he recognized that we were genuine in who we are. And it's much more important to be genuine than spectacular. Worship from the heart. The sixth sign of a healthy church is a good reputation. Now, this isn't an internal thing. The early church had a good reputation from outside. Luke says they enjoyed the favor of all the people. People looked at them and they saw genuine faith, genuine love, real unity, generosity, a high level of morality, and they were impressed. Listen, that's what happens when God's people genuinely follow Jesus and live in Jesus' way. The Jesus way, if we do it right, is a healthy and attractive lifestyle even to people outside the church. But if we take God's way and become harsh and judgmental like the Pharisees did, then it just turns people off tremendously. Hatred, immorality, refusing to help others, being stingy, refusing to work hard to overcome racism, allowing disunity inside a local church are between churches, refusing to speak the truth, whining and complaining like the world does, allowing our families to deteriorate, refusing to stand up 
for right. Not insisting that all people be treated with love and respect and kindness. People in the world easily and are very sensitive to and they recognize hypocrisy. And that destroys our reputation. Totally destroys it. And then we have no ability to speak truth to people outside the church because they know we're hypocrites. One of the real signs of a healthy church is this church had a healthy reputation in the community, not just in the church. I don't want to criticize someone, but I want to tell you I was deeply disappointed last week. Because a man that I deeply respected, thought he was a really great leader and an excellent pastor. Maybe you've seen this story. A man by the name of Willie McLaurin. I met him and really did like him. He was the interim president of the Southern Baptist Convention executive team. That's the closest thing we have because we're very loosely knit um, convention. That's the closest thing we have to a national leader in the Southern Baptist Convention. He was forced to resign last week when it turned out that all three of the college and seminary degrees mentioned on his resume were bogus. Listen. When Christian leaders start to act like American politicians, we have a real serious issue on our hand. We must be what the Bible calls above reproach. Doesn't mean we have to be perfect, because we're not. We know that, and you know that about me, and I know that about you. But there has to be an honest, genuine, I'm trying to do right, I'm trying to tell the truth, I'm trying to be what God wants me to be, and I'm working hard at it. That has to be part of us. I'm trying to love people, all people. Trying to do what Jesus taught me to do. That has to be part of us. Or we might as well lock up the doors and leave Bodie or Avondale. We need a good reputation in the community. And that has to be earned over time. And the final vital sign of a healthy church is gospel resort results. I love that last line. Did, did, did you catch it? That last line? Listen to it again. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. This was not a wait for Sunday church. This was every day they were praying, every day they were sharing the gospel of Jesus, and every day people were coming to faith in Jesus and joining with them. Healthy Churches see people coming to faith in Jesus because they are doing the things that will lead people to faith in Jesus. And so they were seeing, we we may never have at Avondale Baptist Church a 3,000 new believers in a day, Pentecost type thing. We may never see an every single day someone coming to faith in Jesus. But healthy churches regularly see people making decisions for Jesus, following it up, with baptism and ministry in the church. It shows that we're doing what it takes. We're praying, we're sharing Jesus, we're living the faith, we're loving people. And the results will show that. I know in times of revival, the numbers might be huge. And in times of spiritual decline, the numbers may be smaller. 
But healthy churches see people coming to faith in Jesus. And we want to be that kind of church. So what do we do? How do we make Avondale Baptist Church a healthy church? First of all, let me say this. It's my responsibility. It's the church staff's responsibility. It's the deacon's responsibility. It's the teacher's responsibility. And it's an every single member responsibility. It's up to us, you and I, all of us, to make sure that we're a healthy church. So I want to ask you to do three things that will help. I could have given you all seven again. But I want to ask you to do three things that will help make Avondale Baptist Church more healthy. Number one, do everything within your power to build love and unity. And I want to tell you this, it does not happen automatically. We saw that in the early church. They had to work at it. So work at it. Attend often, even more than once a week, if you can. Come early and talk to people. Stay late and talk to people. Meet people. New people, long-term people. Might even try this today. Go to someone today before you leave and say, you know, I don't know that I've ever seen you in church before. Are, are you new here or am I just not good at paying attention? Or, or go to someone and say, you know what? I've seen you for years coming to Avondale Baptist Church, but I do not know your name. Let me introduce myself. Pray with someone. Here's what I love to see. You're on the way out and John Doe says, hey, pray for me. You know what I love to see? Someone's saying right now, let me pray for you. And in the hallway or in the foyer or up front or wherever, you pray for them. Because I've been guilty, you've been guilty. I'll put you on my prayer list. Then I forget to write it down and, you know, I'm old. I forget things. But if I pray for you right then and there, I know I've prayed for you. Do the things that build unity. Invite someone out to lunch or dinner for a meal. Spend some time in each other's homes. And by all means, if you have an issue with anybody in the church, reconcile it. Because those little irritations that are never solved, they start building a wall. And pretty soon there's so many walls in the church that we can't be unified. Let the walls fall down. Break them down. We're going to have differences of opinion. We're human beings. You're going to be wrong. I'm going to be wrong. We're going to be wrong. But love has to be a much higher on our value scale than me being right. So do whatever it takes to build love and unity in the church. Number two, do whatever it takes to build strong worship. I don't really care about the style. I just want you and I to be genuine. And how do you do that? You pray and you prepare for worship ahead of time. You get up Sunday morning. You ask God to bless the time of worship. You ask God to help the preacher be biblical and straightforward and real. 
You ask your Sunday school teacher to be able to connect with the people in the class. You tell God you love him and you're excited about worshiping him. Again, you work at it. You teach your children why it's important. Don't worry if they mess up. Hey, children mess up. Have you figured that out? Children mess up. So you teach them again and you remind them why it's important. It's no big deal. Pastor's kids are the only important, um, they're perfect kids out there. Others mess up. No, I've looked out many times as a preacher and there have been times I've even called out some of my children by name from the pulpit. I don't like to do that. But you know, you teach them this is important. This may be the most important hour of the week. So we're going to be on our best behavior. We're going to try and pay attention. We're going to sing the songs. I tell some of my kids and some of my grandkids, hey, you know why we put the words up there? So you can sing. So sing. I mean, you put your heart into building strong worship. You participate. When it's time to pray, you pray. When it's time for the preaching, you don't check out. You listen. You think deeply about what the Word says. And you make commitments to Jesus. I know usually we put that on the worship team and, 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 and the pastor, and we want to do the very best we can to help you do that. But the responsibility to be into the Word and be excited about what Jesus said is really up to you. And so you've you got to be ready for that. Then number three, build godliness within our congregation. And you do that by becoming godly yourself. Attend Bible studies and prayer meetings. Serve in the church. Share the faith. You be responsible for raising the bar of godliness at Avondale Baptist Church. If everyone in the church were as loving as you are, would we be a loving church? If everybody in the church attended as often as you do, would we be packed out? If everyone in the church knew the Bible as well as you do, would we be a biblical church? If everyone attended prayer meetings as often as you do, would we even have a prayer meeting? If everyone shared their faith as much as you do, would people even know who Jesus is? I mean, it's a personal responsibility. We don't need five or ten godly people in our congregation. We need the whole congregation working to be godly. So build it within the church. You understand what I'm teaching in, in this whole book by looking at the early church. A church is not an event to attend. A church is a community of Jesus people gathered together to praise Jesus, serve Jesus, love others in Jesus' name, do the work of Jesus, and make sure that the gospel of Jesus is known to everyone in their community. And it takes all of us to do that. So I'm asking you, in our prayer time to come, you, to make a commitment to make Avondale Baptist Church a healthy church. Because it's my job and it's your job. Let's stand together and let's pray about that. Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. You can find out more about our church at abcaz.net 
and you can find Pastor Jack's sermons on most podcast apps. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.